Welcome to Our Voices, Our Community, presented by Colors VA Magazine. Our Voices, Our Community focuses on community issues to include, but not limited to, social, political, and economic issues on a national, regional, and local front. Uh, today, this is our season finale. Yay! In the season, we're happy. Um, first of all, I just want to sincerely thank um, our panel today. Um, they've been have been very strong and, and attentive for the past 10 weeks, and you guys have been superheroes in my book for um, coming up with this idea, this crazy idea to actually have some good discussions about our community. So I know uh, Catherine Cable is here today. How are you? I am great. Thank you. Um, to end this, end this season, this first season, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Just remind everyone who you are. Everyone, my name's Catherine. I'm banned from NRA headquarters. <laughs> um, I'm a troublemaker. My daughter is a troublemaker. This is genetic. You can't change me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Nobody wants to change you. <laughs> we don't want to change you, Catherine. We definitely don't want to change you. Thank you. Karen Cobb. Hi, my name is Karen Cobb, um, and and we like to thank uh, Robert for having us uh, for this uh, season here. Um, thank oh, you so much. Oh, you guys may look good. That's all and right. um, uh, I am an advocate for uh, gun violence prevention, and uh, I would consider myself a little bit of a, a little bit of a troublemaker. Not a big troublemaker, but a little troublemaker. <laughs> You're the one who comes in and cleans up the mess it's, of the main troublemaker. Exactly. And actually does the good, makes the good things happen. That's that's you. I just make a mess, and you're like, wait a minute, we can have a better situation than this mess. But I also have a great um, concern uh, for the community and the issues within our community. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Um, Jose Buenuelos, how are you, Jose? I am doing good. Did I thank say you? I finally got your last name right. Yes, you did. It took me ten weeks the to get it. <laughs> the last season, I finally. Got yeah, I did your a great job. Okay, well, thank you, sir. Tell me I, a little about yourself. I am Jose Banuelos, uh, <clears throat> Associate Professor of, of Spanish at Rono College. Uh, I work with Casa Latina, uh, with the Latino community, um, bringing awareness to the community. Um, I think I, I don't know where I am. I think uh, if I think a little bit closer, um, I'm not a a big troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> I would to like to become one. <laughs> <laughs> I would oh. like to hey, hang around I, these two I, over here. You, I have to go through a training a process <laughs> <laughs> next week. <laughs> but I mean, no, no, I'm very happy uh, to be part of this um, group. Uh, it was exciting, and I learned so much from them. Jose, thank you so much. Thank you, and we are missing. Uh, William Slari. I, I do want to make sure we recognize uh, Will, excuse me. I know I want to say William. Will Solari. Um, he's away um, from this week, and uh, we're sorry he couldn't make our season finale, but um, I do want to give him um, kudos for the outstanding work he's done for um, to making sure this podcast the way it is today. So I definitely want to recognize that. And you're listening to Robert Jeffrey, who's the publisher of uh, Colors VA magazine, uh, raised in Roanoke, actually was born in Lynchburg, Virginia, it was raised in Roanoke, uh, left, left here, went to Seattle, and 23 years later, I'm back. And um, I'm not trying to start too much trouble. <laughs> But sometimes, You're the chronicler of troublemakers. Well, well, yeah, I know. But sometimes you just have to say things that, you know, it might cause trouble. Troublemaker by association. Yeah, troublemaker by association. But I love you guys. And thank you so much for, for um, attending this, uh, this podcast. And so let's dive in it, to, let's dive in it today. Um, let's talk about um, what, we, what I've read today um, about... And Catherine, you are, should be pretty excited about this. That our our beloved chief of police, Chief Jones, beloved, <laughs> we do we love everyone, and he uh, made an announcement that he is going to have the needle exchange. He's developing it. 
right? Is that right? Developing a legal uh, exchange program? He is choosing to be a smaller roadblock than he was before. So okay. um, he's putting some restrictions on it, is what I've heard. Um, okay. He's that may not be best practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one of the uh, some experts on this um, told me that he um, they're requiring maybe a um, an ID requirement, so you have to show ID to do the needle exchange, which seems a little bit and maybe some sort of geographic like that you have some sort of address established in a certain radius, which seems a little odd if you have trying to serve a homeless population at all. Um, but uh, the point is, and we all know how much fun it is to try to get those government IDs and how those can interfere with voting. So right. now we're going to use it to interfere with, you know, public health. So I, you know, I, I it's somewhat a step in the right direction, but, um, you don't sound too confident about it. I, I'm wor- well, I mean, what I've heard is that one person, um, said that, this the, these sorts of restrictions then led to a needle exchange in West Virginia getting shut down because the chief of police in West Virginia put certain restrictions on the needle exchange and then any time any sort of violation of those restrictions that aren't Department of Health restrictions or anything like that um, but are just his own personal restrictions um, happens or, or he's concerned about it then he uses that as an excuse to shut it you know he used that as an excuse to shut it down so mm-hmm. well it's I don't know. I think the proposal is supposed to, supposed to be starting in this summer. Is I'm glad right? we're starting something. I mean, something is better than nothing. But right. let's just make sure that we keep. I mean, I think public pressure is key. That that the public supports this and that we're for harm reduction. And you know, they have the the one thing they did emphasize at city council. I watched it yesterday. Was that um, it's not just a needle exchange. This is a comprehensive harm reduction services that they're offering. So, um, you know, this is far from just a needle exchange. It's a, it's a suite of services mm-hmm. that lead people towards harm reduction and towards treatment. So, um, you know, the, the needle exchange is just one small aspect of it that kind of is a trust building and also a harm reduction um, aspect. So, what made you, I'm curious, what do you think? made him to all of a sudden get on board with this? Because I believe he, he was not a, uh, a proponent of this. Is that right, Karen? Yes, that's right. Um, at first, he was, he was not a proponent of the needle exchange program. Uh, my philosophy or my thoughts around this is that um, <clears throat> I'm going to use the analogy of when you run a business, um, one of the most important things uh, that you can do in a business is listen to what we call VOC, the voice of the customer. And when you are in a public office, that C turns from customer to citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the citizens became vocal and their voices were heard. Um, and I, I truly believe that um, the police department, that the leadership in the police department were feeling the pressure um, because not only with a program like Needle Exchange, but with gun violence prevention and preventative measures, there are so many different police agencies that surround us that are implementing programs that are actually helping our citizens, whether it's... Um, someone assigned who is addressing, you know, the issues in the community around gangs or whether it's the needle exchange program. Um, the, the police departments who are going to do well are going to incorporate the community's uh, concerns and they're going to listen and they're going to implement um, actions that are, um, you know, a result of them being open uh, and and listening to to what the community says and and we've seen far too many times that when communities aren't heard um, that the tensions rise and from tensions rising other things can happen uh, I don't want to call it a revolt but um, you know we don't want to see that in Roanoke we just need our officials to be open-minded and 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 listen to to what the community has to say so it does sound like the community did have a lot of input in his change of thought. I mean, that's and that's a beautiful thing. Um, I don't know if we can. What's that? You can't learn. I want to call him old. I don't want to say old, but old dog new tricks. Is that? The, is that <laughs> can't teach an old dog new tricks. Old dog new tricks. So, um, but um, I think he's 
picking up something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Jose, you want to chime in on this? Well, the uh, <clears throat> just to um, piggyback a little bit on the, the uh, comments that we'll make here, um, you really have to be open-minded to what the community has to say. You, um, the voice of the community is actually there because they are uh, at the front run, you know. They're... They are at the front line of the problem. They are facing the problem on a on an everyday basis. You know, they're trying to see what work and what doesn't work, how things can be changed in order to bring probably some sort of solution or to minimize the problem that that the community is actually facing. So, if you're not open-minded to those ideas that are going to probably bring some sort of change, you are making yourself part of the problem. Um, another thing. Um, as I was reading this article, uh, uh, the chief of police actually said that um, that this initiative actually leads to more problems in a society. It's like if you were handing the problem to the uh, to the addicts already, you know? But I like the fact, you know, that by handing the problem and bringing some sort of awareness and education, you know, it's an idea that has been already thought about. Okay. It's not just to come in and say, okay, let me exchange a used needle for a clean needle here. No. In, in that exchange comes the, the, the exchange of information, the education that comes after it. You know, um, This is what we can do. This is, this is what we can implement. This is a plan. This is a goal. And this is where things can probably lead us. So it is not just the fact that you are exchanging um, a, a needle for a used needle, which you're going to perpetuate the problem. No. Through that initiative, and I, and I like what uh, Karen said, you know, to build a trust. Okay. If you don't build a trust with these people, then you're not going to get them to come to you. So by building a trust, they actually come to you. They will trust you. When you win the trust, then you can actually move forward in the second plan, which is a plan of education. Okay. okay. Well, um, this program is, I believe, is going to be the fourth in this uh, state. Am I, am I correct in that? It's going to be the fourth one in the state. Um, I'm, I'm curious how this works. Um, Bob Cowell mentions that it's the first step to victory toward a comprehensive plan. Um, again, the fact that we even starting this conversation and putting this together is, you know, we have to give credit when credit is due. Now, however, we are a little concerned, of course, but it is a first step. Catherine? Yeah, I mean, I just want to... You know, I just one thing that I find interesting in all of this is how the chief took a very um, law and order. The law says this. But at the same time, in the same period of time, the law says that rape's illegal. But hey, if ladies, if you've been drinking, if you're not wearing, if you're not having the appropriate behavior, oh, well, sorry, we don't you know, we're not going to prosecute rape like that's your problem. I mean, that was in the same time period. So so just the utter hypocrisy of holding to this hard and fast, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, lock you up attitude for one set of problems that's the war on drugs thing. And then for the other set of problems, which is violence against women, it's kind of like, eh, shrug, um, which you can't see my shrug on the podcast. So that's why I verbally shared the, that I'm shrugging. Um, but yeah, so we got to, so we got to notice these hypocrisies and, and notice how the law works in certain ways that, you know, it's super easy to say, oh, I found X amount of drugs on you. And so therefore you're locked up, but it's a little harder to do a job of investigating a, you know, a sexual assault or or, you know, uh, other claims. But I, I, just because something is harder doesn't mean that it's not valuable to investigate and that you cannot, you know, make some progress on these things. I mean, I just, I, I just find mm -hmm. it so fundamentally interesting that those two things are so, are approached in such different ways. And, and I just think it illustrates a real problem with our policing and how we do need to build a lot of trust in a lot of different places. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and that's all the more reason why the voice of the citizen has to continue. Um, 
because we we see a little progress being made is no reason for us to to stop you know speaking up about the things that we see and um and it's really important that our, our voice is heard i certainly would have liked to see programs like this happen back when we had the crack epidemic yes. um you know it, it just it, it boggles my mind that now there is so much attention uh, being brought to the opioid problem. But when there was a crack e- epidemic, um, it just people were on their own. Um, and not to say that I'm not glad to see this progress being made, like Robert said. Uh, give credit where credit is due. Um, But, um, you know, we can continue to see these disparities um, amongst, uh, you know, sometimes if you have the upper class or the people with the money who have this particular problem, then attention is brought to it. But when you have those who uh, tend to be poor with less money, then they don't get the same resources, right. um, you know, and uh, so we've got to continue uh, keeping an eye on this. And um, my thought is that everything starts with leadership. So um, if, if if the chief uh, changes the way that he leads, he changes his thought processes and more open minded Then the people who report to him will also uh, hopefully, you know, make those changes. But it really is up to the leadership uh, to do that. And um, and how we and how we treat uh, victims um, in the case you were just talking about the rape victims. Uh, but I was just speaking to uh, the mother uh, the other day of, of a young man who was killed last year. She's been requesting to have his uh, property returned for a year now. And the detective has not returned it to her. She had the letter of release from the attorney the detective has not returned it. It's been a year, and the last time she was told he was too busy. <gasps> I mean, you know, um, you know, how busy are you that you cannot, you know, meet the mother of a victim to return his belongings? Right. I, you know, I don't understand that. And so uh, the change in how we treat people has to come from the leadership. Okay. I did notice that the entire opioid um, team that was working together... I did notice at city council, at least every single person that came to represent the leadership of this consortium that they are, they're so proud of pulling together, it was all white. And I thought to myself, you know, when you brought up the crack in it, I thought, yeah. are we going to have a problem in terms of cultural competence if we're not seeing a more diverse team? Like, oh, you know, this, this problem is not exclusively white and upper class. And so if we're only reaching, you know, if our team that we're pulling in to address the problem is exclusively from one race or class, then how do we build that bridge and trust with people who are suffering, who are from many different races and classes and backgrounds? And so that was one concern I had. I noted it. And, you know, I just hope that they are able to address that and bring in a more diverse team is all. Maybe the team is diverse and, and, and they just, does it just happened to be that those the were the people who showed up at council. Yeah. 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 I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't guarantee that, but it did seem like the optics at council were not great. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jose. Yeah, and <laughs> I was thinking about that, you know, that um, with leadership must come culture, <laughs> no, and not not just the culture that you bring, you know, to the team um, as an open-minded individual willing to uh, try uh, a whole series of alternatives, but also understanding the culture of drug usage, you know, the, uh, the uh, culture of the... Um, of a consumer, for example, you know, in order to really get into the mental or, or into the state of mind of that individual, again, you know, um, to build the trust through that understanding. Um, you mentioned carrying the cultural competence here. Uh, if you don't have the people that understand not just the culture of drugs, you know, but understand the culture of the consumer as well and not make it a racial or class, you know, issue going back to crack, 
crack, you really have to look at the racial component there. I yeah. mean, it wasn't just about the drugs, but it was just about you no. Know, it was who was you know the um, the uh, the the consumer population you know, of, of that anyway. And it was a racial issue, you no. Know? Just the same thing that is that that what is happening to to Latinos, you know. Um, every Latino is is going to be selling drugs, you know. It's a um, it's a um, uh, uh, drug lord, so careful, you know, careful mm-hmm. that, you know, who hangs around with the Latino because they'll be selling you drugs, you know. So mm-hmm. when you make it a racial issue and when you make it a, a class issue, you really lose focus, you know, of the problem. So here they need to address the issue, need to address the problem. Okay. Well, we're going to see how this program pans out as we move forward into the summer. Um, I'm pretty ex- – um, it's interesting that we're now um, – are listening, people are starting to listen to some of the concerns. I always believe about the timing of things. Um, I think timing is always important in anything, and of course um, our local elections are coming up pretty soon, so um, I don't, I'm just seeing timing. Timing is everything, (laughs) and I'll put a period on that comment. Um, Let's move on to our, on a national front, Um, we're um, there was a story about uh, Representative Ilan Omar. Um, for those who do not know her, is she's a Muslim congresswoman. Um, what area is what? What? What's, do you know what state? She's a. She's from Minnesota. Minnesota. That's yeah. what I thought. Minnesota. So we're cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. Right. <laughs> it is cold. Um, she's out of Minnesota, um, Muslim congresswoman. I think she's one of two in Congress, yes. and. Um, there were some comments she made regarding 9-11, and I believe Trump. Is that, am I correct in that? Is that am I uh, correct in that? I don't know that she said anything about uh, Trump at that time. I think Trump, Trump just took it. Yeah. And ran with it. Yeah, he took, I, I don't even think, I don't even know that these were new comments. I think this is like an old tape oh, of her okay. that they excavated okay. from somewhere. I'm not certain that. about yeah, that, but yeah. it, I don't think it's necessarily recent. Yeah. And um, well, apparently Trump did take a hold of it, took a hold of, excuse me, and now is using it as uh, a political weapon into, again, uh, really attacking um, the Muslim community um, with his uh, tweets and verbiage. And um, and so now I guess the question we're we're talking about is the criminalization uh, of, of political gain. Do we use attacking other ethnic groups for political gain? I guess that's the question. And um, Jose, this is one of the comments that you wanted to. I don't want to put you on the spot, but, <laughs> but I think it's a great topic to have this conversation. Yeah. Um, um, when I when we were talking about topics, um, it is because um, on on Monday I was teaching my my um, Latino experience class mm-hmm. and um, the uh, chapter was about cr- criminalizing Latinos in uh, social media. Okay. You know? So then um, uh, we looked at how, how, how immigration has been politicized and um, how Latinos, you know, especially with those caravans move, moving up north and uh, with uh Trump's uh, threatening to close the border and now saying we don't have no more room, <laughs> so go back to right. wherever you want, <laughs> where were you coming from? Um, um, then you have a whole series of um, of, uh, of of conservative news agencies that support you know, uh, Trump uh, er- rhetoric in criminalizing this uh, these people, you no. Know? Even to the point that um, now every Latino who is first, second, or third generation you know, uh, citizens of the United States have now entered that category. Okay, so anybody that looks Latino and it—I <laughs> don't know when 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 someone profiles a Latino, I don't know. I, I they are profiling based on uh, on the racial component. You know, if you don't look like me, then you are the other. No, then the fear comes. So then I just wanted to talk about how criminalizing through a social media, um, a group of people, um, really has to do with the fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. fear over the other. 
So um, the um, the uh, the uh, comments or the uh, the links that uh, that you guys uh, send us um, about Elam, you know, really fits into this problem that we are facing now. When I say the fear of the unknown, the fear of the other, it is because demographically the United States is changing. And this is not new. It's, it's been changing yeah, it's already been for, for many decades, yeah. for a while. But it takes an individual like Trump and this administration to come in and really put in some sort of the break to that demographic change as picturing it as negative for the future of the United States. So then, not just Latino immigrants, but anybody that fits, according to them, you know, the uh, the uh, the um, people in power, you know, um, whoever fits into that category, no matter if you're Latino, but from other, other, other parts of the world, okay, then you become a an individual that must be feared. Um, you are going to be classified as a as a leftist, you know, an individual that is coming to steer things up here or steer the uh, conformity that this country has been living for so many decades, you no, know, because you bring in about a change. Like Liam uh, Ocasio-Cortez, the uh, new voices in Congress that I, I mean, I love that, you know, and especially a female, a woman, I love that this young generation has now stepped up and has really, they are like, the um, the the unofficial stories of the official story. The o official story is a white male. I am coming here and I'm going to show you that you guys are that 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 if, that immigrants, you know, are the bad thing that is happening to this country. And then you have you know a group of ignorance that are that are, <laughs> that are supporting those those ideas. But you have this fresh new voices, you know, faces that really tells us that the social makeup of this country is changing and is telling us that the future is here. Right. I, I, they're changing. They, they are. I agree with you. And I see that Trump, you're right, Trump is kind of trying to hold us back as far as changing the face of America. Um, with especially with the Latino, you know, it's always interesting to me um, the when we talk about the issues of immigration about the Latino community. I mean, he they can he always creates this image of the Latino community, and now now he's moved or he's going. I guess he's going side by side now. Is Islamic phobia as well. Now he has this big fear of now that the Muslim community is coming into play. Um, and go ahead. And I'm going ahead. Do you remember Can when the big fear about immigration on the southern border was supposed to be that ISIS was going to secretly integrate right. with, you know, mm -hmm. the Hispanic migrants? Um, because like really all people with melanin apparently are the same and like I just I always found that so ridiculous I was like yes because ISIS will blend right in what? Right, and it was like, going to create what? terrorist what? attacks like, <laughs> all I mean, these terrorist attacks these is going to happen fears are just and, and it's like oh you know you're tainted with ISIS and so then then now magically you're the criminal you know like like before it was oh you know we have to be careful about the board you know right after 9-11 and, and everything it was like oh well we have to be careful about these other borders because now we have to fear, you know, um, whoever, Al-Qaeda or, or ISIS or whoever coming through the Southern. But I was like, get real. Like, I just don't think this is, this is not a concern. But for, but a lot of people were active. I mean, a lot of people are activated by that. And it's amazing how it works. Like it's, it's, it's fear by association. Mm -hmm. And then it's also fear by isolation. Like I see how the, that, that some people on social media are standing up for, you know, for, um, rap Omar. And, and people have said that one important thing that you have to realize about standing up to authoritarianism is that the people most likely to do it have a little bit of that troublemaker side to them. <clears throat> well, yeah. And so, so, but the problem is when you're a troublemaker and I know all about it, is that you can, you are perceived that way, right? And other people step away from you because they say, well, I'm not a troublemaker, right? So I don't want to be perceived as one of those troublemaker people. So when people point at you and they say, you're a troublemaker, then that, or you're a criminal, or you're this, or you're that, then everybody else wants to take a step back to avoid that getting contaminated onto them. Well, that's not how stuff works, right? No. The only way to avoid contamination is to actually 
surround that person and say, no, no, no. If you want to call her a criminal, we're all criminals. If you want to call her a troublemaker, we're all troublemakers. You know, that it, that it all kind of, that you have to stand with these people. And, you know, Rep. Omar is not going to be perfect, right? You cannot expect a woman to be perfect. She's not. And you still have to stand with her and stand up for her and say, no, no, no. You cannot do these things because if you let people say like, oh, you know, we only stand with perfect people. Well, I'm, you know, haven't met one yet. <laughs> no, and, and it's not about, it's not, I agree. It's not about perfection. I think it's about principles. Yeah. She yeah. is standing by her principles. And then when you do that, people who are not solely standing beside their, those principles start to back away and start to question that. And then it's, they question yeah. you and they try to create doubt in yourself. But um, I, again, I, I'm like you. I respect what she's doing. Um, you know, there's there's things that I, I, you're right. She's not perfect. It might some be things I, I totally agree. But she's principled in where she's in. And you know, I want to pick a word from the great comment that uh, Karen just made. Um, the way he activates fear. No, um, if I. I like the candidates, how they are so diverse. You know, you mm-hmm. you have a Latino running for, for for or he's. I I think he's already. Um, Do you like Castro? I like I I like the idea that we are pushing forward. You no, know, of mm-hmm. of that. Um, but I, I would prefer him better than Marco Rubio or mm-hmm. Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. Okay. That's right. Ted Cruz is Latino. I, I keep forgetting. That. <laughs> I mean, I, which I totally. Isn't I, he also I, Canadian? I, I mean, but I, 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 mean, I, I, to, I keep forgetting. That. I forget Isn't that. Ted Cruz also Canadian? I mean, somehow well, there's no, some no. weird thing going so on there. So many things come up there. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, um, um, the the way the way um, if if for example, no, Omar makes a comment about something, then Trump is ready to activate that fear on the minds of people. And one of the ways to do it is to really go back into history, even though he, he doesn't really care about it no. at all, but he understands the way people think. Mm-hmm. No, that is his, I, I think that is his only strength, <laughs> understand the way people think. You know? The worst parts about the people's things. Part, yeah, mm. okay. So then... Um, he knows how to activate the fear. When it comes to Latinos, for example, you know, um, even uh, some of the research out there that uh, the uh, polls actually say that one of the uh, stereotypes or one of the big fears of people is that um, Latinos are criminals. And you have Donald Trump really activating that fear in the minds of people. So careful because um, for uh, going back to uh, social media, no, not, uh, they are criminals because if you have him working in your house, you know, maybe that individual, if, if that individual is a gardener, maybe some mate, you know, just be careful. Be, be careful because they can do something to you. They can. That uh, tranquility that it's known, you know, um, uh, in your community, suddenly, you know, is tainted by the activation of this fear that these people that look different from you are coming in to really turn your world upside down. So then suddenly, you know, uh, they are put on the defense now. So that individual who probably that we never talk about how that individual made it from Honduras, from, from, from El Salvador, from Guatemala, from Mexico, or maybe from South America, or f- from other part of the world, how that individual made it through in order to be where he, she is at. Nobody talks about that. The only mm. thing is that let me picture you, this individual, as a criminal, as an individual that if you see him, see him or see him, her coming close to you, Feel that individual because something is going to happen to your way of life. I have to say the most fascinating reporting that I have not finished reading, but there was a three-part series and it was on Honduras and um, a reporter went and went to Honduras and went to three different areas and documented why people were leaving and documented the cycles of leaving. And, um, you know, he had very specific stories of people were leaving in part because of climate change. 
um, because the rains weren't coming in the same predictable patterns. And a lot of these people were from rural areas where they were partially dependent on subsistence farming and they needed this, um, you know, that then like that starts to, you know, the whole, the whole economic system is starting to break down. Well, I mean, who has burned more carbon than anybody on the planet, the United States. Right. So then when we, you know, we have a moral obligation also to, to, to people who are fleeing and to, to, to fix these things. And then the other thing, the other reporting that I find so interesting is the number of guns. And I think maybe we've talked about this before, the number of guns that America has exported to these Central oh, American yeah, countries, mm-hmm. even under Obama, was ri- rising higher and higher. And then we're surprised that first off, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, governments that are, you know, somewhat corrupt. And then there's, you know, then, then there's aspects of the regime that's selling off weapons into the general populace. And then, oh, what, lo and behold, crime is, you know, crime is miles high. So it's our guns causing the problems. And I just want to say this, you know, that, uh, that this administration have as I, I don't know, I think they have already cut, cut off aid to the Central American yeah. countries. So, so then your, your problem of immigration now has escalated more. <laughs> and so you, do you think that his you think that is his plan? I mean, yeah. you know, they, oh, we kept I, talking he's, about oh, he has that a master it, plan. Yeah, he, trust he's me. He's talking about he there. There's this big invasion yes. of people, and now he cut off aid to, to create Absolutely. this invasion. You predicted as it. part yeah, of his yeah, plan. Yeah. And, and, and let me say, uh, Trump, uh, also known as uh, wannabe President Stephen Miller, um, <laughs> you know who. <laughs> mastermind behind all of this insanity, I believe, um, feeding, feeding Trump a, a lot of these ideas. Um, if, if you look at, uh, yes, he's instilling the fear of the Latino community coming in to the United States. All Latinos are bad. People in African countries were coming from S-hole countries. Um, so you have the Latino uh, uh, faction that he's trying to stop and, and create fear. And he's playing to his base. When he's doing this with um, with the Congresswoman, uh, he's playing to his base. Um, the Muslims, he's associating them with not with uh, the Twin Towers and 911. So Muslims are bad. Latinos are bad. Um, and refusing to call these actions um, of the white supremacists in the United States, refusing to call them terrorists. Um, so his plan, and, and it's very clear to me, is that we're going to, number one, stop brown people from coming into this country from other countries. And and number two, the, the, the brown people that are already Already here, we're going to let them be assaulted and assassinated, um, so we can lower their numbers because our race, the white race, is um, is is going to be eliminated if we continue to let these people come into our country. And um, that's it. I mean, it's just I see. For instance, here's an example. I had a meeting the other day with a mother whose son committed suicide and another mother whose son was killed. And we were talking about a healing program uh, to, to go through grieving. But this particular program was based, it was a Christian-based healing program. And I'm very open-minded, and I listened to it. But the, at the end of the conversation, I said, well, by the way... I don't only work with Christian people when it comes to healing about grief. I work with uh, Muslims and I work with atheists. And the look that I received was just one of amazement um, that I even had the nerve (laughs) to say something like that and take it out of the context of it just being solely Christian. So Trump has got, he's playing to his base, he's playing on the extremist right-wing Christian evangelical uh, people saying that these people coming to your country are a threat to you. Uh, The Muslims are a threat to your Christianity. The brown people are a threat to your existence as a white person. And that's just the way I see it. Yeah. Go ahead, Jose. We're going to wrap up. Yeah. I I just want to add this comment that, um, that, uh, that that historical that historical struggle between black and white has now become much more complex because you really have to have these other ethnic groups or other I don't like the word ethnic or 
or a minority other races, you know, that are really changing the face of America. Yeah, yeah I agree. And um, the thing is, is that when we look at the terror, terror attacks, um, especially I call them terrorist attacks, um, most of them are usually in our country and they're usually more by the white nationalist groups yeah. than, <laughs> than the I it, mean, um, you want to talk Islam about blowing up buildings in and, yeah. and, Oklahoma. And Latino, yeah. I mean, but even, even Trump said that when the Twin Towers, when that happened, that he was in New Jersey yeah. watching Muslims watching celebrate. Yeah. I mean, it's just that. Oh, yeah. But and all he had to say was. actually believe this, and that's yeah. the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, he was he was out there saying, oh, good news, 9-11. Now I, have, now I have the tallest building in New York. That was his comment, you right. know, at the time. Oh, good news. Now these other buildings fell, and I have the tallest building. Hooray. That was him. So, I mean, to, to say that he has any sort of sympathy or care for people, you know, he doesn't even care about his base. I mean, other than giving them, you know, the, the the good whatever good feelings might come from hating other people, that's all he gives them. Yeah. And talking about talking about leaders that lack culture, um, he's always been like he he like given like a slap in the hand. Well, um, he he didn't really mean to say that. It's just it's just the way he is. But if another person will make the comment, then the whole country will f- jump on top of that individual. And one more thing, now you see that uh, he's going to present Tiger Woods with a with the uh, what, what award was it? Freedom or something? Medal of Freedom? Medal of Freedom Award. So that'll be his one black friend. That he'll <laughs> he'll prance around. <laughs> did, he, did he bring up? Did he, did he break up with? I don't know, but he said he's going to present him with that. Well, he he has, a, he's an avid golfer. So yes, maybe he is. Maybe that, exactly. Maybe that's, so it. that's that well, one black yeah. friend scenario. Well, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> Well, let's let's uh, let's transition, um, uh, stay in the political um, realm, and have a conversation about our beloved governor, uh, Governor Northam. I know that we're all proud of the great leadership that uh, Governor Northam is doing. And I'm being facetious when I say this, but um, but um, he has dropped out. He he dropped out on a a um, a Democratic fundraiser recently. Um, uh, my understanding now that uh, he canceled to speak at, I think, yes, his alma mater, isn't it? VMI, isn't he? Did he, go to, did he, go he to did VMI? go to, yeah, he went to VMI. He yeah. went to VMI, right? Yeah. Well, he canceled to be the keynote um, at the uh, VMI graduation. That just He just recently just um, said that, and um, he's been a no-show in very highly public places. He hasn't been anywhere. Um, I am aware that he was in Roanoke. Yeah, that's right. He was in Roanoke, and he met with um, some of the uh, leaders here in Roanoke. I believe it was at the Harrison Museum, I believe. And that happened. Uh, No one knew about it. But not, well, it was by invite only. All his things things are invite only now. Yeah. Yeah, Quiet, quiet. Well, and and that's the thing. I mean, he mentioned doing all this ruckus um, during Black History Month that, um, I hate to say that, but, I, but it was true, it was during Black History Month. All this ruckus about him, um, he said that he was going to try to bring communities together and have a dialogue on race and and see what the issues are. And to this date, he's still, in my opinion, he's running away from everything. He, he's hiding. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. And, and, and you know, he's hiding. So what do, I mean, the governor, I, I, you know, I'm just beside myself. I'm beside myself as I'm looking in. Uh, Jose is making For our listeners, talk. I'm looking at the table and the people. Everyone's pushing the microphone yeah, away. Everybody's pushing the microphone away from me. But this is, but this is ridiculous. I mean, what is, what is his plan? How are you going to present a plan if he's running away from the issue? Oh, gosh. Oh, run, yeah. run, run, but you sure can hide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, 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 you know what? If you had any, as my, mom, my mother used to use the word couth. If you had any couth, if he had any couth, he would, he would face the music um, and stand there and take it. You know, uh, this running and hiding is just, um, it's, a, it's a show of, of his, what his character is. 
Um, and, and it's not good. It's not good. It's, you know, he's coming to towns and having, he came to Roanoke and had a meeting. Nobody knew about it until at, with, with the exception of a few people. And so after the fact, um, he's, like you said, he's, he's missing out on meetings. Um, you know, it, it, and he's sticking by the story that that wasn't him in the yearbook, but he did dress up at blackface. You know what? Be a man, be a governor, um, you know, face the crowds, face the music. Let us let us ask you the questions that need to be asked and look us in the eye and tell us what the truth is. You know, um, it, are you a leader or are you a coward? I mean, basically, his actions are, are showing cowardice. Um, and um, when's elections again now? Uh, well, he can't run he again. Can't run yeah, again. He can't he run can't again. Run I mean, run but again. when is he out of office? Well, oh, it's a while. It's but, a while. Um, so, the okay, most so recent, we've got a little while to go before I his mean, term is up. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, the big problem is that, you know, the most recent, you know, what's coming up are that everybody in Virginia is up except for the statewide people who That's are having true. all the problems. Yeah. So every Virginia senator is up for election. Mm-hmm. Every Virginia in the House of Delegates is up for election. And honestly, you know. The, the House of Delegates in the Senate, they, they don't get as much attention because there's 140 of them you have to keep track of, which right. is a lot a compared lot. to one um, person. Yeah. yeah but yeah. It, and, and, and so, you know, people tend to focus just like, you know, they focus on the president. They tend to focus on the governor or, you know, and the statewide officials. But the truth is, is that those those legislative bodies have much, 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 much more power than, you know, than the governor has. And honestly, you know, if he wants I, I you know, I think that he's he thought that maybe this had blown over and mm-hmm. he had a false impression of that. And, um, and, you know, he really hasn't, he's, he's, is the outreach has been somewhat selective. Um, and I, cause I think he's afraid of, like you said, facing the music, but, um, you know, I think, I think that what he needs to do is to just, you know, accept that he needs to take a back seat and that the leadership is really being shown from, you know, the Virginia black legislative caucus, um, from some of these folks in the legislature, these progressive voices that we elected in 2017, mm-hmm. 15, you know, new mm-hmm. folks in the Virginia house of delegates that, that ignited this, you know, this blue wave and, and started the, the inklings that we were going to have a huge blue wave in 2018, which we sure did. And so every time, you know, every time we, we think about the folks, you know, that, that, um, that, that don't represent that, that, that big blue wave, I think that we have to focus on them again and say, what was, what, what was it that we brought in, in 17? We brought in the most diverse freshman class we've ever seen we better represented in Virginia than anybody else. And we have to be out there supporting them. And I think that anything he does that takes a headline away from them is a mistake at this point. Anything mm-hmm. he does, even to center himself at this point in terms of, you know, insisting that, that, that <laughs> he has some sort of like, you know, um, public, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, that he, that he be the one that, that centered, I think is just a mistake at this point. I, I think the lack of support that, you know, typically when you're a governor, whether you're Republican or Democrat, when you have key elections coming out like we're having now, as far as our, um, state, um, delegates and senators, you know, your governor, if you're, if you're a democratic governor, you, you, the governor comes in and help yeah. pro- provide that support true. to mm-hmm. encourage people to come out mm-hmm. and 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 get that Democratic base, or even if he was a, Repub- a Republican base, galvanized to do it. Now it just seems like to me that everyone who's running for office is kind of basically on their own. Well, I think that we have those. I think we have the eighteen. I think we have the, all the folks that we elected in eighteen. Mm-hmm. A lot of those folks overlap with the with the swing um, uh, delegate, like the swing districts in the House of Delegates or in the Senate. And so, you know, we've seen a lot. I think we've seen a lot of those folks promise that they are going to be on the ground. Um, that the congressional folks are going to help. You know, that 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 the blue wave that's started in 17, the congressional folks are going to be helping with that. And so, um, you know, this, our, t- our two senators, um, our brand new slate of three women, um, you know, we have, you know, we have three women, we have two black men, um, at least, at least McEachin and Bobby Scott. And I'm trying to think of it. There's any, and then there's three women now. Um, so, and, and then I'll get, there's a couple of white guys. <laughs> They're also Democrats, but, um, the, at least one from Northern Virginia. Yeah. So we have all these folks committed 
committed to fundraising, to, you know, helping out. And so we have this incredibly diverse slate of congressional folks who look like Virginia. <laughs> Fancy that. Um, and so we see this and I think we just have to rely on those folks to, to, to provide the leadership at the, at, you know, and, and, and really to, I mean, look to some of these younger folks like Jennifer Carroll Foy, who also went to VMA, <laughs> was in one of those first early classes with first black women to graduate from VMI, right? So, um, you know, we have some people with amazing backgrounds who are doing amazing things in the legislature. And I just think we let them lead and let them, um, you know, show us what they've got. So, so what are we just going to do? Just let Governor Northam just floating the wind for the next three years? Or just, three he can years. sign just some really great away. bills that the legislature <laughs> comes up with, is what I think. I mean, he, yeah. you know, yeah. that's uh, the truth is that that's always been their job. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're yeah. not as capable. Terry McAuliffe was in there for four years, yeah. and he said a lot of right things. But did he get Medicaid expansion done? No, he yeah. didn't, right? What did it take? It took that freshman, you know, that, that seven, the, you know, the, the, the 2017 freshman, the, the 15 of them, it took them to get Medicaid expansion happening. Yeah. Not Terry McAuliffe's four years of beating the... beating the. Now, which one has said, to, and I might be offline what I'm about to say, but didn't some one of the interested in running for a president or had the comments, was it our attorney general? Didn't he say something Terry? about... No, I, I could be wrong, but I, I thought I. Oh, heard. Terry McAuliffe's interested in running for president. Yeah, oh, yeah, was, was Terry that, is yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, he'll he, you know, Terry. Terry has. I, I think Terry is looking for running for president to be an ambassador somewhere. Very yeah, nice. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> this is my personal oh, okay. feeling. I thought I, mean, I heard something like that. Okay. I think Terry's looking for for a cabinet position or an ambassadorship, a nice ambassadorship at, at the most. But I don't think I don't think he realistically thinks he's going to take it. But um, no. but I, I any any help he can give us in. in in our in our state elections, I appreciate. Yeah. So, okay. Jose, you want to add anything? I don't know. I, I am. Um, I was thinking, you know, as I was hearing my colleague speak, that um, <clears throat> it seems that our leaders are failing in in leadership. You know, um, it seems that they, that there there has to be some sort of committee who really enacts leadership to its fundamentals and. Um, fun of these individuals you know, through some sort of a classes and uh, testament leadership skills and if they don't pass it then you cannot be a governor or something well well, well in, in which in which being truthful is of <laughs> it's a fundamental characteristic of being a leader yeah and I agree with you I, I, I mean if you yeah, if yeah. you commit a mistake you know yeah. Um, I, I, it, it is because you know um, I am I am sick and tired of, uh, of of hearing that okay we're humans we're humans I know we're humans but I think we have to stand up to our own mistakes above all if you are if you are that individual that white individual who who tainted his face in black I mean why why didn't you dress in I don't know I mean imitate or stereotype uh, someone from your own culture, you know, from your own group, mm -hmm. but you decided to imitate or to stereotype the other, you know, and making the other ridicule to a certain degree without asking the other permission, hey, I'm going to use your, your, your collar, you know, to laugh at you, to ridicule you, okay? But you didn't use someone from your own culture. Why? Because you think that your own culture is... It's 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 much better than the culture of yeah, it's, of it, the other. It's very demeaning, um, based on. It. But it also, I, I agree with you about leadership. And that was leading to yeah. accountability. I mean, yeah. we will understand you much better. I mean, not that we're going to support you anymore, but we will understand you much better, and we can enter a a a a, a transparent dialogue if you really come out and say, you know, something. I I I I made a mistake. You know, it was me. And I know I shouldn't have done it. Uh, and this is how I'm going to show you that I am aware of that. You know, it's okay if, well, it's not okay. But if you decide to suddenly after 15, 20 years, that comes out, you know, and now you're saying, well, 
let me let me show you that I'm aware of this situation and I'm going to talk about certain programs. I'm not going to run away from them, you know. Well, in about a month, you know, my uh, team has come up with um, uh, with the um, I don't know with with an agenda and, and a diversity, and we're going to have this town hall here, and we're going to talk about it. We want to bring the community, diverse community, so we can talk about that. That is not running away from the problem. But if you say something and then suddenly you disappear completely. Well, what, what kind of individual? So I do agree with Kerry. You know, that tells a lot about the character of that but, individual. And you're right. And it goes back. I mean, those comments that you just said, Jose, those were comments that he made mm-hmm. when this incident came out, that he was going to do all that. And then I think that's what kind of irritates me a little bit, is that we're going to, he's talking about um, bringing racial, uh, try to bring racial harmony and, and try to bring have a conversation on race and things like that. To me, when he first said that, I said, okay. You know, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt on this. But now, his actions, you know, this, this is this old poem. This is old poem. He said, I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. And right now, he is just saying a bunch of things, but we're not seeing any actions of it. And he had many opportunities to have these conversations. And, you know, he's afraid of protests. He's, he's afraid of uh, what people might say. He's, he's afraid that if he comes to an event, there's going to be people standing outside with signs. But you need to understand that's the part of leadership. That's right. You have to be, you have to have the cojones. <laughs> I mm-hmm. want to say that. That's Is that right. a right word I can say? Yes, it's, it's right. <laughs> okay, right. The cojones. Yes. To stand there amid mm-hmm. all that and stand there and address it. Face to face, yeah. and he's, and that's like, and it's very disappointing. And now we have, you know, you mentioned having other um, state delegates and you know the the uh, our senators to kind of clean up or try to help move the democratic issues to make sure that we have our delegates in place to make sure we have a majority. I mean, it's it's, it's saddening that we they have to do that. I mean, you can look at it as sad or you can look at it as, you know what, this is the younger generation. They are, you know, a vacuum of leadership has been created and they're going to fill it. And Mm. to me, it's just, you know, um, you know, I I read this book to my daughter and it goes like it has this little parable in it about, um, oh, that was good luck. Uh, You know, the, 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 you know, uh, a horse runs away and the neighbors all come and they say, oh, what bad luck. And the farmer says, maybe. And then, you know, the, then the horse comes back and he brings two other horses and, and the, and all the neighbors come and they say, Oh, what good luck. And they say, and then the farmer says, maybe, and it keeps going like that where the good luck goes back and forth. You know, some, sometimes, you know, opportunities, good luck and bad luck are mixed together and, and things are mixed together and it's not really clear where you're headed. You just have to, if a vacuum is created, I just, I admire and appreciate the people, um, the younger generation stepping up to lead it. So thank you to them. Yeah. And I would, I would admire him so much more if he just got up there and said, look, I was an (laughs) a-hole. I, you know, I was for doing that, you know, and, and here's our plan to move forward. And like you said, Robert, stick to, stick to that plan. You know, half the battle is admitting it. Right. Right. And then the other part is how are we going to fix this? How are we going to move forward so that I can continue to be a leader and, and not somebody who's running away with the tail, you know? Well, Tuck between their legs. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh. William called that right away. He said, Dominion's not going to let him resign. And they sure <laughs> yeah, didn't. Well, that's true. Are you want to wrap up, uh, Jose? You want to? Well, I'm just going to piggyback uh, in, in, in what Karen um, uh, said right now, um, Sharon said right now, in, in, in that um, let's admire truth over the individual. You know, if an individual is truthful, then the truth prevails, not the individual prevails. You no. Know? So, Rather have an individual step up and face a situation and resign after that. <laughs> but to really say, you know something, I abide by this standard, I, I abide by this moral in which truth must prevail at all times. Okay. All right. Well, we had a healthy discussion in the day in our season finale. <laughs> yeah. So I guess let's talk about um, what are you guys are thinking about next week. Um, of course, we ask this every week at the end of each um, podcast. Uh, what what are you each watching or looking for toward this week? 
You know, economics, arts, culture, anything political. Looking at the the democratic slate of of possible candidates, um, you know, what's really interesting me is this, uh, and I know I'm going to mess up his name. Is this Pete Buttigieg? Buttigieg. How he's seeming to uh, get the attention, you know, of a lot of people recently. Um, and uh, attracting, I think, more people. He's, and I don't think that he's really qualified myself, um, just being a, a mayor. But, um, but, but he seems to be, I don't know, gaining this traction, this, yeah. this energy. You know, it, it's about the energy, and um, and then all the other people who were throwing their their hats in the ring. So, that's what I'm looking forward to this 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 summer okay. coming up. All right, Jose. Me too. I think um, he has tried. He he has attracted my in my attention. I like the way he speaks. You know, um, especially in that. Um, uh, uh, I don't know how you, how you want to call it. You know, uh, exchange be, uh, between him and Pence. I like how he put things very, very professional. You know, um, in that. I am here because I am serving the population. Uh-huh. You know, I am not singling out people because of my religious beliefs, like 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 Pence. You know, if I become president, if you know, in this hypothetical speaking, if I become president, you know, I'm going to abide by my moral values. You no, know? he says, you know, um, uh, for me, the most important thing are the people. So I think it's someone that I'm going to continue to follow more. Okay. Well, I yeah. I thought that I mean I think that him and Pence on a debate stage go would be amazing, but um, yeah, would that would be yeah. that would be satisfying emotionally. Um, but uh, but so I have to say, like um, you know, I'm wearing my um, I'm wearing my uh, Hokies United T-shirt today because yes, yes. it's yeah it's April 16th. So um, it means so many anniversaries, but so many anniversaries don't even have like a you know. Every day is the anniversary of a shooting in America, okay? So, you know, um, today happens to be the anniversary of um, the Virginia Tech shootings 12 years later. Um, But what's important is that we remember that we cannot just look at solving that kind of violence, you know, it, it, you know, the Virginia Tech shootings have this um, connection with a lot of everyday gun violence and that it was committed with a handgun. So, um, you know, it, it's this, you know, yes, it was it was it was a mass shooting, but it was also um, has this connection that it was it was a handgun um, and handguns. These cheap handguns really do fuel violence. And I hope that we are looking forward. I have read to my friend, Susan um, has written Susan Ahern. Um, she has written two amazing, amazing op-eds in the last week. One was in the Washington Post and it was about um, taxing um, guns and, and, and putting in these user fees on guns and making sure that we give them to victims compensation. And I just cannot say how excited I am about this kind of thinking and this kind of new exchange of ideas. Like we've heard about background checks since the time immemorial. And I almost want to be like, Okay, like yeah, that's great, but honestly, we should have done it in the '90s. And right. I love that my friend Susan has been bringing in these new ideas. And I look forward to maybe, you know, maybe seeing if in the Virginia elections we can get some folks talking about some of these new ideas that Susan's putting out there. So, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> so and we're so we're gonna be we're gonna be knocking on folks' doors and seeing what they see, you know, see, see, uh, knocking on the legislators' doors and also knocking on the individuals' doors and and passing on the the good news of maybe some some interesting new changes so i think we've got some some dynamic things going on in virginia and i'm just excited to be a virginian good thank you Catherine. i i I think for me um i know recently uh in the news was the burning of the notre dame cathedral in in paris and uh, which is is very saddening uh also however what's not getting a lot of news is the three church uh, the uh, three uh, black churches that were burned in Louisiana, um, burnings and uh, well, the terrorist act basically. And um, you know, it's interesting because it, uh, these are incidents that have been happening throughout the history here in our country, especially regarding black churches being burned. Um, I remember in 1995, my own father's church was burned down. Um, in Seattle, Washington as well. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And so that when I 
heard about those churches. It's kind of reminded me about what happened there. And it was, um, it's a long story. Don't want to get into it. But uh, we we strongly believe there was an act of terrorism too um, during that time. So uh, you know, you know, I hate to say thoughts and prayers, but I am praying for the the parishioners in those church burnings. Um, one thing also that's that on a on a brighter on a brighter point is the uh, the new green deal that um, that's being discussed. And I know that here locally in Roanoke, they're having an event at Pilgrim Baptist Church. I don't have all the details, but I believe it's at Pilgrim Baptist Church um, yeah. on, what's the, the 22nd? April, the 22nd, yeah. I think on yeah. Earth Day, right? Yeah, on Earth Day. And they're having, and to discuss that. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because I think it's important to talk the importance of what we're, you know, um, the issues around our, uh, our planet and making sure that our children are is going to be able to see, yes. to have one. And so um, if um, we're broadcasting this on Thursday, so um, I hope anyone who's listening to this definitely come out and, and look at that and, and, and view that. Yeah. yeah. So, so people, this is it for the next couple of weeks. For a bit. We're going on hiatus and um, we're going to, um, for people who have not listened to all of our podcasts, please go on to colorsvamag.com and click on our podcast and you can catch up on some of the interesting topics we we have discussed. Again, I want to thank uh, Catherine, Jose, and Karen, and also Will. Um, I also want to thank uh, Karen Jones, who has been instrumental in helping us uh, putting, uh, keeping us in line with the with the topics and discussions <laughs> and the research as well. Um, I also want to thank Brad Stevens at the Colab um, for uh, Brad has done a tremendous job editing some of our um, some of our comments that we probably couldn't say <laughs> <laughs> publicly <laughs> for for. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> he's he's been he's done an extraordinary job. So I want to thank. All of you guys for really um, coming together and really talking about community issues. I, I I truly believe in the past ten weeks that we actually accomplished some things by some of the things that's been done and 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 some of the conversations we've had. So I look forward to next season, and um, I thank you for listening to our voices, our community, presented by Colors VA Magazine. If you like what you heard today, leave us a review. Be sure to like Colors VA on Facebook and Colors VA Mag on Instagram and Twitter. Be one, be one the first to hear our voices, our community, by signing up to our Colors VA newsletter. Visit our website at www.colorsvamag.com. Thank you and have a blessed.